Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Well, hello and welcome to The Press Zone. Wow, we have a new intro debuting this week. That sounded pretty good. I like it. Hope Sounds you like. Great. <laughs> Hope you liked it too out there. Welcome to the press zone. Uh, we are here with uh, episode one hundred thirty-two. Uh, we're in the fourth season, but this is yes our one hundred thirty-second episode, and we're so glad you're here with us today. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report, and I'm joined each and every week by my wonderful co-host, our founder and editor in chief here at Rocket Sports Media, and that would be. Rick Stevens. How are you today? Doing well. Good afternoon. How are you? Doing great. We've got, uh, like we said, we've got, uh, you know, we rolled out a new a new name for the podcast this season. This week, we're debuting all new uh, music package. So you'll hear some throughout the show, you'll hear some things that uh, may be a little new to your ears. Uh, the intro was just one of them. And we hope you enjoy the additions and the upgrades that we continue to make to the podcast and uh it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a good uh good show today we got a lot to talk about absolutely uh in fact this is the last week of training camp can you believe like we've been saying all this time is the nhl really going to return to play well it's really starting to look like it's close they might get there um and so this is the last week of training camp and we're gonna kick things off in the first segment by talking a little bit about how the montreal canadians and the philadelphia flyers training camps have been going some some notes about uh, some certain roster personnel on both teams uh we're also going to spend some time there's a little bit of uh Flyers news as well. The Flyers have uh, have now found out that in the last week that they have two uh, people within the Flyers organization who are up for some of the national NHL awards. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, in addition, uh, some some roster news for the for the Flyers in terms of a kind of a transaction uh, player heading heading overseas. So we'll talk to you a bit about that as well. In the second segment, we're going to pay homage to Jack McElhargy, who uh, sadly did pass away uh, just this week. And of course, uh, going around the AHL, uh, there is uh, a name that will be pretty familiar to folks who has re-signed a new contract in the AHL that we'll discuss as well. And then finally, in the third segment, we go beyond the AHL, and uh, we've got some OHL news. We've got some USA Hockey news. We've got some Hockey Canada news. Uh, both of those things are in, in regards to the World Juniors preparation. Uh, give you a little bit of notes on next week's show. And of course, we have to wrap things up with a feel-good finale. This week's is pretty special. So we've got a lot on tap for today. Well, we better get at it. Getting right at it? Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well... Um, as you know, everyone's timelines on social media has been, have been flooded by information regarding, uh, NHL training camps as they continue through phase three. Um, we will, uh, we'll, we'll head to the, the Flyers camp in just a moment since we also have some additional information to talk about regarding the Flyers. So we'll briefly just stop first, uh, north of the border for, for those of you who are here in the States, uh, to Brassard, Quebec, just outside of Montreal. And the, the Canadians camp has been going strong. Um, there's been, uh, some interesting things happening. Uh, there's been two blatant absences. Uh, Brett Kulak and Xavier Ouellette still have not participated at all in phase three. So it seems that, um, you know, 
the big question mark is, is it COVID related? They, they haven't, you know, a whole week and a day has gone by and they haven't participated yet. Um, in addition, Rick, there's a, there's now been this trend for quite the last number of days in Montreal where there's a small group of players who are practicing together and they are practicing, but they're practicing separate from the rest of the group. Like they come out and they do a little bit of practice before the main group practices, but they're there in the rink. So it's a big question mark. It's odd. It's really odd. And, but, you know, the Canadians are far from the only team who are experiencing these uh, odd kind of alignments. You see it with the Calgary Flames and others. Uh, when asked, Claude Julien said, uh, and I'll read the quote, there were circumstances that presented themselves to us a few days ago and forced us to use this format. Now, you figure out what that means. Um <laughs> Uh, we're not quite sure, but it it means that um, it's uh, typically been Pierre Allard. Um, he's the uh, uh, sports science uh, coach, and he's began a practice with uh, Phil Deneau, Ryan Paling, Kale Fleury, Victor Meta, and Caden Primo. They've all skated together and practiced as a group before the the um, official the rest of the group uh, practices, uh, and that. That continues, and and as you said, that's beyond uh, the two players who have not participated at all. Uh, those being Xavier Willett and Brett Kulak, and coincidentally, um, although it seems too too cute by half that the NHL announced that there were uh, two positive tests uh, in the past week uh, for the coronavirus. League wide, so we don't league wide, yeah, yeah. So we don't know what team that's from, and and that's one thing we should kind of, you know, the NHL is doing a very good job at not being very transparent, and I'm not talking about invading um, players' privacy if if they've been diagnosed with COVID and don't want people to know. That's their prerogative, okay. But the NHL is doing everything they can to parse their words. You know, they come out with their Monday report of of what the COVID testing was like for the last week. So this week, they make it sound like it's roses and sunshine heading into, you know, a week before they head to the hub cities and, and start to play. They say, oh, well, of the 26 bazillion tests we did this week, we have two positive cases. Well, okay. Two new positive cases. That's, yeah, that's that's what they don't really remind you. Like, they're just giving you, okay, here's what happened this past week. But they don't also then summarize and say, so we've had two new positive cases this week. And add that on to the X amount of positive cases who are still being quarantined across the league. So who knows what that number actually is at this point. Um we don't know if any of those positive cases are people who had previously tested positive and have tested positive again, or if these are two new people. Um, this this is kind of my, my issue with how the NHL is approaching this. I understand that I'm all for if they want to be the central reporting arm of, of the coronavirus, te- coronavirus testing for the return to play, but I think they need to... Um, get their statistics right and get their information out to the public in a way that's a little more um, layman's terms and a little more comprehensive, not just, oh, well, here's what's new this week. Well, that doesn't tell us if you had, I don't know, 30 guys who tested positive two weeks ago, how many of those have recovered and returned to play? How many of them are still quarantined? Like, it's one thing to not want to invade players' privacy. It's another thing to just be completely vague about what the state of COVID cases or potential exposure within the league is. Take take this this grouping that Rick's talking about, uh, who's practicing separately but together, and Claude Julian says a set of circumstances presented itself. Well, one would think that that can't be COVID related, otherwise they wouldn't be allowed to be in the rink. Yet they're unless, <sighs> un- unless these were players who were had a secondary exposure, 
um, and they're keeping this group separate from the other group, but they're allowing them to practice while the tests are being, while they go through the protocol to uh, determine if they're negative over, you know, it's, it's tests every, every two days over an eight day stretch. So that, that's, that could be um, what they're, what they're doing here and making sure that that group in no way interacts with the main group. It could be. If it is, I think that's a bit of a, a rolling the dice, uh, even true. Because I can't. I, I. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. At, I'm not at Broussard. You know, well, there's all the few, very few media who are in Broussard right now. So, uh, you know, are they completely disinfecting? You the, can get in Broussard if you want. Well, uh, that's Friday right. nights I, that's and right. all all weekend. You can come that's and go right. as you please. That's right. I should just buy a ticket and go for a skate. Um, in any event, um, I digress. Yes, everyone's, oh, this is fantastic. We're a week out and there's just two positive cases this week. Well, let's just, let's remember that that's not necessarily inclusive of how many total players have tested positive. I'd also like to know the false positives. Um, yeah. Now, we, we know that was an issue with uh, the Canadians um, and... Uh, they, Arpenbasu reported uh, that there are three cases. The Canadians countered and said, no, um, two of those were false positives. Well, how about league-wide? We, we know about false positives. And there was an issue with uh, looking towards the Flyers with Jacob Vor- Voracek uh, this week where he missed a practice. And it said that he had a test that was that came back inconclusive. Now, what kind of test is that? Yeah. Uh, is was there a false positive? Was there a faulty test? I think the NHL should be providing information on that as well. Absolutely. And then he was tested. So he sat out one practice. He was tested again. It came back negative. So he was permitted to return to practice the next day. And let me tell you, the pl- some of the players are already fed up with this this. You know, um, any injury, COVID-related or not, is just the player is unfit to practice or the player is unfit to participate. Because, of course, as soon as Voracek came back to practice the next day, he just happened to be one of the guys who was who was made available to the media after practice um, via video conference. And, of course, he was asked, how did you feel out there today? Um, you know, you, you weren't there yesterday. And... In in typical Voracek form, he got cut right to the chase. He was like, he basically said, you know what? Could we not ask these dumb questions? Do I look like I'm dying? I'm fine. Like, it's 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 nothing. It was a stupid, faulty test. Uh, they had to make sure it was fine. Everything's good. Next question. Um, but that's, that's just it. I mean, every time. And well, and then there was... Um, I forget what team it was on, but somebody left a practice uh, early yesterday um, in the middle of practice. And of course, when a reporter asked the coach afterwards, you know, what happened with with so-and-so, it was uh, the player was unfit to continue practice. Well, (laughs) we know he didn't suddenly test positive for COVID in the middle of practice. So why can't you just say upper body, lower body? Oh, it's nothing. No, they're not allowed. No, they're not allowed. Because the the NHL has handcuffed them, so this <laughs> it's going to get pretty old pretty quickly. Um, it'll it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Interesting for me is that this is not an issue aside from uh, this faulty test that Voracek has has had. Um, this has not been an issue in the Flyers camp. Uh, the Flyers had a bulk of their guys come back to Voorhees in Phase Two, and get in and start getting tested and you can tell that the flyers are locked in on that stanley cup we talked about it last week how Vigneault is is hammer down we're winning the cup you can tell the guys are right there with him uh, because most of them came back for phase two they got into the testing regimen right away there did not see and and it seems that the guys on the flyers now knock on wood hopefully this has continued to be true but have done a great job of social distancing themselves in their personal lives outside of the rink even during phase 2 and so far in phase 3 because there's just, there's there's not been an issue of oh we've got guys that aren't showing up 
for for practice. Um, so we'll see how that continues to go. Um, it's it, we should say it's a different life for them because they're used to. Uh, you know, after practice, they, they go to the lounge uh, after they shower and whatnot. They go to the lounge and they eat and they socialize. And mm-hmm. um, this is this is very different. They're they're asked to leave the rink right away. They're asked to put a mask on right away. And, and as Carrie Price said, um, you know, it's just like junior hockey. <laughs> I go to the rink. I come home and sit on the couch. That's that's my life. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um... So we'll see, you know, as you've seen, uh, Chris Johnston did some reporting this week on how the hub in Toronto is starting to come together. They started constructing uh, exterior chain link fencing around the back entrance of the Leafs practice facility to start to to cordon off that area uh, from the public uh, for players to start arriving. Uh, It's been noted that there will be... um, player and coach lounges made available uh, in the bubble in the hotel area or facility area uh, for players and coaches respectively to have some place to go to watch the other games um, within the bubble. Um, So it's, it's all starting. And a a players only uh, tunnel from the Royal York to uh, Scotiabank. That's right. So that they don't have to go outside, they don't have to be on a sidewalk, they don't have to get on a bus, they don't they they can they have their own way from the hotel to um to into the arena. So um, you know, we're we're less than a week away from teams traveling to their hub cities at this point. Uh and so it's it's getting close. Um I believe the only other thing f- well, Max Domi was back today. We should mention that. Uh, it yeah, was... back yesterday for the first first time, and uh, um, he has he has confirmed that he's made the decision to return uh, and will be part of the Canadians lineup. Um, having taken the time to um, observe, I guess observe from a distance and talk to to his teammates, talk to the medical staff, saw how it, things were turning out. And it convinced him, and I guess the the people that he consults with, his medical team, uh, that it was safe enough for him to return. Um, so he's back on the ice, um, taking it easy. Mm-hmm. Um, been uh, relegated to, let's say, the fifth line uh, so far with Alex Belzeal and Laurent uh, Dauphin. And, um, and we'll see how that goes. And we'll see what, where he ends up playing, whether it will be at center or at wing. Uh little bit of a scare during practice yesterday, but seemed to be okay to the, uh, today. But uh, Shea Weber, not even a, a full Shea Weber shot, but Michael McNiven took a Shea Weber puck uh, to the mask that Rick apparently went right through went one of through his eye cage, holes yeah. in his cage uh, and cut him uh, on the side of the face. But I believe he was back at practice today. He was. So seems to be okay. Uh, and before he his medical treatment was even finished, Claude Julien was announcing that there was no concussion. So we know that's good. Oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> Claude... Claude's right in there on the no concussion. <sighs> yeah, don't get me started. Uh, it's it's not uh, it's uh, keeping fingers crossed for goaltenders. However, switching over to Flyers camp, um, little bit of a. Uh, a question mark today. Uh, Flyers had another inter-squad scrimmage today, uh, and Carter Hart left in the middle of a period, in the middle of the first period, did not return for the second two periods, uh, and was supposed to be one of the players made available to the media after the ga- after practice today, and that me- that access was revoked. He did he did not meet with the media today, so. Um, Kevin Hayes, I think, was the one who said um, it's not anything major. Um, it's just something minor. Uh, I noticed our friend and colleague Bill Meltzer had mentioned that um, prior to him leaving the ice, um, that Carter Hart didn't exactly look settled in, completely settled in and or comfortable today. So maybe there was some tightness, maybe something tweaked. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if he's back back out there again tomorrow. And that's not unusual. Uh, coming off a four month layoff, also um, uh, the heat uh, that mm-hmm. uh, you know they're they're 
in a full training camp in the middle of summer, which is not what these guys are accustomed to. Not at all. So uh, we'll we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that for sure. Hopefully uh, Hart is going to be fine. Um, I know he has been pretty vocal about how he is. he's very excited about getting to uh, play for the Stanley Cup. So hopefully he will not be out for any length of time. Um, and Flyers came. Oh my goodness, our, our in-studio audience here says, did I know that, that it's cool in the arenas inside so the heat doesn't have an effect? Really? Yeah, well, I, I know that, but the heat does have an effect in terms of... <laughs> it does. <laughs> it does. Them staying hydrated and whatnot. Well, yes. And, and then coming to practice and, and, you know. I didn't question you. Uh-huh. I didn't, but there were, I'm sure you could hear, you, you could, could hear, hear the, the people, the murmurs, the you murmurs, could hear yeah. the people saying, what does that have to do with Yeah, I know. <laughs> does he know? Does he know they're not playing it's hydration. Inside? It's all about hydration. Uh-huh. Um, so Flyers camp continues to go at a pretty, uh, raucous pace. The Flyers did have a complete day off yesterday, um, but they were right back at it with their scrimmage today, um, and it was, uh. You know, Vigneault is keeping keeping them moving, um, and and things have been been looking pretty good. It's funny, um, Ian Laperriere uh, is is playing ref during these scrimmages, and Kevin Hayes was very upset today. Almost said he almost threw his bucket across the ice because the refs missed the fact that he had a hat trick today. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know. It may only be a scrimmage during training camp, but damn it, I got a hat trick today. Come on. I uh, saw there was some chirping as far as offside calls that were missed and that sort of oh thing yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They love it when Lappy refs. Well, and, and, and Kevin Hayes always says, hey, did you know I used to ref? He, he, <laughs> he loves to tell the refs that on the – did you know I used to ref? So he's loving giving it to Lappy, uh, while Lappy is uh, <laughs> is is roughing as well. Um, the Flyers have a lot to be really proud of right now. Um, you know, they're everything coming out of every one of the guys who meets with the media is that they really feel that uh, this team returned to Voorhees. Uh, and didn't miss a step, that they are going to pick up right where they left off when the season paused. Um, and that's a good thing to hear, that kind of confidence coming out of the entire team. Um, if you think back to the middle of March, yes, the Flyers were were surging. There was a lot of excitement happening in Philadelphia surrounding the team, um, and, and a lot of momentum was building. Uh, really happy with how Vigneault has has come in and stepped in and just taken the team to a new kind of cohesive level. Um, have really enjoyed seeing him work uh, young prospects in and out of the lineup from the Phantoms all year long. Uh, and it's one of the reasons, absolutely hands down, why I completely agree with the fact that Alain Vigneault has been named as a finalist for the NHL's Jack Adams Award uh, this year, this is the fifth time he has been nominated uh, for the NHL Coach of the Year, and uh, I, I'm, and I'm not even saying this because I live outside of the Philadelphia area. I've been saying this all year long that I think Vigneault has done an exceptional job in his uh, first season in Philadelphia. Now, I think that that um, the. My feeling is that this will likely go to Bruce Cassidy with the Bruins. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, but if I had a vote, uh, it would be to Elaine Vigneault. Uh, and I didn't really know how this was going to work. You have three head coaches, uh, Elaine Vigneault and the two Mikes, uh, all with a considerable head coaching experience, all with uh, pretty big personalities and, and uh, their own ways of doing things. And it's worked really well. Um, mm-hmm. th- They've had uh, they the Flyers have had a great season. Um, John Tortorella, yeah, okay, I I understand him being in there, um, and well, I I if it was up to me, it would be Vigneault. Let's just remind you, in case you know 
middle of March was a while ago. Let's remind you of some of the things that that have that when the season paused. Um, since January eighth, the Flyers went nineteen six and one, tied for the best record in the NHL since January eighth. The Flyers' home record drastically improved this year, finishing with the best home record in the NHL with the most wins. They had 25 wins at home and the highest winning percentage of a 771 winning percentage at home. Uh, Goals for and goals against also both drastically improved. The Flyers finished in the NHL's top 10. They were seventh in in both goals for and goals against. Uh, compared to last season when they were 18th in goals for and tw- and 29th in goals against. Um, last year, the penalty kill was 26th in the NHL. This year, 11th. Uh, best winning percentage among Eastern Conference teams against the Metropolitan Div- Division. Um, I mean, the list goes on. Vigneault has, it's, it's night and day. It is absolutely night and day. Now, I don't know who I'd take out of the list, probably Tortorella, but what about Mike Sullivan um, for um, managing a team that was decimated by injuries and not just injuries to, um, you know, third and fourth liners, injuries to top players. And and the team that was ravaged most, affected most, had the most man games lost to injury was the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Penguins. So mm-hmm. Mike Sullivan... Um, I think deserves to be in the deserve to be in the conversation as well. Absolutely. So I mentioned this is Vigneault's fifth time being nominated. Of course, he was a finalist in 2000 when he was the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, in 2007 and 2011 with Vancouver, and again in the 2014-15 uh, season with the New York Rangers. So if he were to win his fifth nomination he would become the fifth Flyers coach to win the award. Um, Just a reminder, Fred Shiro won it back in 1974, Pat Quinn in 1980, Mike Keenan in 1985, and Bill Barber in 2001. Uh, So some pretty good company for uh, Vigneault. And uh, best of luck to him. I do think that he has certainly earned the recognition. Speaking of recognition, I did mention that the Flyers have a lot to be uh, celebrating already. If there was any doubt in anyone's mind that Sean Couturier would be part of the Selkie Trophy conversation, well, then just put that put that notion right out of your head. Absolutely, hands down, this was this was a given. Everyone in the city of Philadelphia knew Coots was going to be a Selkie Trophy nominee, and sure enough, uh, this is the second time he's he's been a finalist uh, as the best defensive forward in the NHL. Um, and and you could argue that he should have had the nomination last year as well. Uh, however, the Flyers performed pretty poorly last year. Um, but he, uh, you know, Patrice Bergeron, okay, and Ryan O'Reilly, okay. Um, I say Couturier has a, has a pretty darn good shot at this. Um you know, he his his response was very humble, um, and now the the last time that he was nominated was two years ago. He finished second in voting to Anze Kopitar. Um, you know, I I hope that he can pull out of that second place uh, in the voting again. Um, but again, let's think about okay, Couturier. What did he do this year? Well, he was second in points with fifty nine points tied for second in assists and third in goals, uh, led the team for the most even strength points, had a plus minus rating of t- plus 21, and uh, also led the team for all forwards in average ice time, led the team and all players in the NHL in face-off win percentage, 59.6% of players who took 50 or more face-offs during the season, Uh, He was the, we talked about this earlier, he was the team MVP this year, second consecutive year that he's won that. Um, Rick, it's, it's, it was obvious that Couturier was, was somebody that needed to be talked about for the Selkie this year. Well, I'm more confident in this category that the Flyers going to come out as the winner. Couturier is 
um, in for my money, the, the best defensive forward uh, in the league. I mean, Patrice Bergeron, he's he's owned this award. Um, Sanders have owned this award for the the past fifteen years or so, and and Patrice Bergeron has, I think this is his ninth nomination. Um, but you know, what? Why are you going to give it to Bergeron what, for his thirty-one goals? Um, no, that's an offensive stat. Um, because it would be nice to have him pass Bob Gainey. Uh, no, we don't want that. Um, <laughs> but but Couturier is is the prototypical top two way player, uh, def- top defensive forward in the league. He's smart. Um, he's calculating. He's he's a shutdown kind of guy. Um, when you think of the Selkie Award and and Ryan O'Reilly, nothing not yeah. taking anything away from no. him either. Uh, but I think this is Couturier's uh, award to win this year. I think so, too. So uh, lots for the Flyers to be excited about. I know uh, the 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 tears in Montreal that Philippe Deneau yeah, uh, close. didn't get nominated. I, I hate to break it to you, but you, you with with the way the Canadians were performing leading up to the pause, how far out of it they were, for the same reason that Couturier wasn't nominated last year, even though he, as a player, could have been, um, there's no way Philip Deneau was going to get nominated this year on 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 this Montreal Canadiens team. Uh, and he simply didn't play well enough defensively. No. So, sorry, Habs fans. Um, yes, it would be exciting to have to have someone up for the Selkie, um, but this was not the year for Philip Deneau, not with that field. And one more flyer. And one more flyer. Nominated for the Bill Masterston. Oh, that's right. Yes. Oscar Lindblom. Oscar Lindblom uh, was, and you know, this this just gets you right in the heart, you know. Uh, Oscar Lindblom did his first post-cancer treatment interview with Sports Illustrated last week, and I think shocked everyone when he said his goal, what he is striving for right now, is to get back on the ice next season, the 2020-2021 season. This is, we're talking about a kid who, I don't know, eight months ago, everyone was, A, wondering if treatments were going to work, but even if they did, would he ever even skate again? And he's already talking about coming back to the NHL. Um, and with with the ferocity that he's attacked his cancer and the positive attitude that he's kept and the support system that he's had, not to mention that he's in the hands of some of the best oncologists in the country at Penn Medicine in in Philadelphia. Um, I think he's got a good shot at it. But let me tell you, if he comes back next season already, it's going to be a damn shame if there aren't fans in the building that night. Not to, not to bring us down, uh, hey. bring the show down, <laughs> but... Um, no, I mean there was. It, it's hard because because we've uh, we've watched Oscar Lemblum for over the course of many years. We've interviewed him. Um, it's it's so so you 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 feel for him, mm-hmm. and and, and um, you know it was the the case was dire. Um, it was. It wasn't looking like he'd play hockey again. It was. It. I mean, there was even some question about whether this was life threatening. Um, so. Uh, the the strides that he's made and um, it's it's a remarkable story. Um, that said, I think that uh, not enough of the NHL knows the story. I think they're far more familiar with the Bobby Ryan mm-hmm. uh, tale and uh, and his struggles and and his uh, how he's come back. Uh, so I I I expect that this will this award will go to uh, Bobby Ryan, but uh, Oscar Lindblom. What what a what an amazing uh, journey he's been on, and and let's hope he uh, he makes it back on the ice next season. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, one player that we won't see on the ice next season uh, is Maxim Susko. Uh, Phantoms fans will be pretty familiar with him, as well as Flyers fans who who've been paying attention. Um, the Flyers loaned him back to the KHL, joining Dynamo Minsk. Now, why would they do that? Yes, they still retain his rights. Um, why would they do that? Well, the a- we've we've mentioned this a number of times. The AHL season is completely up in the air next year. If it happens, when will it happen? 
What will it look like? Will it be the AHL that we know and love? Will it be a different format? We don't know. And so we've mentioned there's a lot of guys that are signing in the KHL because they don't know if they're going to play here next year in the AHL. They don't know what's going to happen. And so the 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 Flyers and Sushko both figured go back to the KHL, you'll at least you're guaranteed to at least get playing time there. Um and you know, he had a very good debut season. Uh, 11 goals, 21 points uh, in 53 games with the Phantoms. Uh, he was second on be- behind only Morgan Frost in goals and points among the rookies uh, for the Phantoms. So uh, uh, an admirable job uh, by Maxim Sushko this year. Um, drafted in the fourth round in 2017. You will see him back stateside, uh, but next year loaned over to Dynamo. Pretty dynamic player in in junior for Owen Sound. Um, second year was a point of game player, and so you might think that the the numbers, the the twenty one points in fifty three games, look a little pedestrian. Uh, but it was night and day between the first half of his season and the second half of his season. Uh, he seemed to figure it all out, and 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 I think it was kind of a two way street. And uh, in the interview that he did since signing. Uh, with Dynamo, he said, um, and this is translated, the first part of the season I was getting used to uh, the pro hockey environment. In the second part of the season, they began to trust me much more. I think that my points could have been much higher. Uh, I had some moments where my skill wasn't at the proper level. Nevertheless, my season went really well, and he wasn't able to finish that because of the coronavirus. But he was he was definitely on the right track uh, in the second half of the season. Good luck to Maxim Sushko. We will see him back here, uh, but hopefully he has uh, a great experience back in the KHL and uh, and can keep his development going uh, so that he comes back even better than before. On that note, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to bring you just a few messages here. And on the other side of it, we're going to go around the AHL. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, a player who has signed a new contract with the Ontario Reign, and we're going to take a a quick look back uh, at Jack McElhargy, who passed away, sadly, this this week, uh, suddenly, and uh, talk about his impact on the hockey world. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel, at AllHabs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit AHLReport.com and click the Join Our Team tab at the top of the page today.
Welcome back to the Press Zone right here at the AHL Report. Thanks so much for joining us again. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And as you heard in that commercial break, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us two places on Twitter, at the AHL Report and at the Press Zone. Make sure you're following both of those accounts. You don't want to miss a thing all week long, not just on the days that the podcast comes out. Uh, And so we would love to hear from you. Make sure you're following us. In this second segment, we go around the AHL. And Rick, we start with a bit of uh, sad news, uh, one that affects um, fans from all over uh, the league, all different teams around the league, not, uh, of course, the least of which is the Philadelphia Flyers. And that is the passing of Jack McElhargy. And that was yesterday. Uh, He lost uh, his his battle with cancer um, and currently had been serving as a scout uh, with the Flyers after I mean he's a defenseman that played for the Flyers uh, at at one point in his career as well um, but also served uh, as the very first coach of the Syracuse Crunch uh, took them to the conference finals a couple of times uh, and uh Lots of folks around the AHL and NHL hockey community uh, mourning the loss of Jack McElhargy today. And he was he was just 68 years old, uh, died in Burnaby uh, with his wife and his two uh, teenage daughters uh, at his side. Um, he's, you know, he, he was known by his his signature mustache, <laughs> uh, which he had his entire career and, and even into his uh, his his coaching and scouting days. Um, he was a tough, hard-nosed defenseman, uh, veteran of 393 NHL games with the Flyers, Canucks, and Whalers. Um, and even if you look back, he was a, a good Alberta boy, and and uh, but played his junior hockey uh, first for Victoria and then for Flin Flon, the Flin Flon Bombers. Why is the Flin Flon Bombers uh, name um, familiar to Flyers fans? Well. That's where uh, Bobby Clark, uh, Bobby Clark grew up in Flin Flon, and then played mm-hmm. for the Bombers just a few years before uh, Jack got there. Uh, and then he went on to um, the Richmond Robins, an AHL team. Uh, they were the affiliate of uh, the Flyers in Richmond, Virginia. They had uh, just moved from Quebec. The Quebec Aces were the longtime um, uh, affiliate of the the. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers, uh, then moved to Richmond, the Richmond Robins, and then started playing with the the Flyers, and and uh, that's where he developed that uh, that tough reputation and carried it on uh, to Vancouver. Uh, a member of the BC Hockey Hall of Fame, and um, uh, just one of those great hockey guys. He'll be missed. Absolutely, he will. Um, the the Flyers had a nice. It actually there was an outpouring. Uh, on social media of all sorts of people remembering their time with him. Uh, of course, the Canucks had a nice message. The Flyers had a, had an excellent message. I actually uh, very much appreciated that in the in the Flyers statement, um, you know, he it's it, they say you know he he began his NHL career with our organization, contributed to our success in a variety of ways, which included player, assistant coach, and current scout. Um, they go on to say, though, later, I like this, that Jack will be deeply missed, but his legacy with our team will be felt for years to come. He was a large part of drafting the players on today's team and the ones currently in our system who will make up a new generation of Flyers. We talk so much about how uh, how successful Ron Hextall was uh, with stocking the cupboards and stocking the farm and 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 drafting so well over the past handful of years to get the prospect and the farm system to the high caliber that it is right now. But the fact of the matter is that Ron Hextall's not able to do that over the years without the work of his scouts like Jack McElhargy. So uh, condolences to his family. He will be missed, but I, I do appreciate that the Flyers do note that his legacy will be felt within the organization for many more years to come. Uh, a name that you'll probably be familiar with, uh, Sutter. I think there's a couple of guys 
in the hockey community with that nine with that ten name. or a dozen <laughs> <laughs> well brett sutter currently uh was pl- as a is a forward with the Ontario Reign. That's the LA Kings AHL affiliate. And he has re-signed uh, with the Reign, entering his 14th pro season, his fifth full campaign with Ontario. Uh, the 33-year-old collected 10 goals and 16 assists uh, this past season with the Reign. Uh, and uh, last year in the 2018-19 season, he had a career-best 21 goals and was the winner of the AHL's Fred T. Hunt Memorial Award for the player who best exemplifies sportsmanship, determination, dedication to hockey. So um, Brett Sutter has has seemingly found a home with the Ontario Reign, and nice to see him uh, re-up with that organization. On that note, uh, we are going to take one more quick break, actually, because we've got a lot to talk about in segment three, which is when we go beyond the AHL. Uh, so don't go anywhere. Stay right there. We've got a couple of quick messages for you. And on the other side, we're going to give you a little bit of news about uh, coming out of the OHL. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some updates about World Juniors preparation. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. And welcome back once again to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And uh, don't forget, once again, make sure you're following us on Twitter, both at the AHL Report and also at the Press Zone. One will give you, of course, all of the latest news and updates uh, about the podcast and things that that are going on uh, with the show, but when you're following at the AHL report as well, you'll get news and updates and uh, those sorts of things all throughout the week. Uh, so you'd never miss anything that's happening in the hockey world. Uh, in this third segment, we go a, uh, we go beyond the AHL. Excuse me. We go beyond the AHL. And we want to kick this off with a little bit of news out of the OHL. Uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs will uh, soon, Rick, be finding themselves uh, in a in a space sparkling new home brand new um modernized uh arena and we're talking about well 
Um, it's called First Ontario Centre now, but uh, everybody knows it as Cops Coliseum. Mm-hmm. It was built as Cops Coliseum um, in the mid-80s, opened in 85. Uh, when Hamilton was bidding for uh, an NHL franchise, uh, an expansion team, never did uh, happen. Um, there was a renewed effort um, in uh, about 2009 or so, I remember uh, Jim Balsilli of BlackBerry fame uh, tried to bring the Phoenix Coyotes to Hamilton at that point. Um, but it's gone through a few tenants um, and uh, and some famous tenants. There was the, the 87 Canada Cup was, was uh, held in Cops Coliseum. Um, in, uh, 1996, the Hamilton Bulldogs, the AHL team, um, arrived, uh, first as a, um, uh, an affiliate of the Edmonton Oilers and then with the Montreal Canadiens. And then fast forward to June 7th, 2007, the last Calder Cup won by a Montreal Canadiens affiliated team. Uh, the Hamilton won their first Calder Cup uh, with uh, Carey Price in goal and carrying the team uh, to a, a Calder Cup win. Um, it remained until uh, the Bulldogs left for St. John's, and then it became, went back to its roots of an OHL uh, franchise uh, in two, the 2015-16 season. Uh, Michael Andauer uh, brought in the OHL Bulldogs, and um, the the arena it 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 seats nineteen thousand and it's obviously a little big for a junior team, um, and it's it's um, it's it's dated, uh, so it's going to be uh, a fifty million dollar uh, renovation, a completely new building exterior. They're going to transform the lower bowl. Um, they're going to expand the concourses, uh, put in things like. Um, uh, luxury boxes and and suites and hospitality clubs and a microbrewery um, and uh, spruce up the upper bowl a bit when they need it, but otherwise put in a, a brand new curtaining system so that it can be uh, uh, cut off for uh, for the junior games. So this is the fifty million dollars is for the renovation of First Ontario Center, and it's part of a whole remodernization kind of effort. Uh, to to uh, revitalize downtown along with some uh, um, housing and and whatnot. So it it it's, it sounds like a, a wonderful project, and uh, should be great for the Hamilton the OHL's Hamilton Bulldogs. Fantastic! Looking forward to that for sure. Uh, switching gears to junior uh, to the World Juniors, a uh, little bit of news from two national teams this week. We spoke last week. Uh, I just happened to mention last week that, you know, we've talked about how uh, last week in July, first week in August is typically when the, uh, what used to be the USA Hockey National Junior Development Camp used to be held in Lake Placid. We used to go there and and cover that all the time. Uh, Then it moved to USA Hockey's arena in Plymouth, Michigan, uh, and is now the World Junior Summer Showcase. And and it was, you know, it's typically a a tournament-style development camp throughout the week uh, with USA, Canada, usually Sweden uh, is there, Finland is there usually. Um, and they kind of, it, it, it's a way for scouts and, and the national teams to take a look at who could make their roster for the, for the world juniors and start doing some evaluations. Um, we've talked in recent weeks about how USA hockey had announced that they were going forward with the summer showcase just with USA hockey, not having any other countries attend, uh, but they would still be doing their development camp and running their little mini tournament against themselves, uh, and that they were uh, going to be opening it up for public ticket sales as they normally do, as long as government regulations allowed. And we pointed out next week that, or last week, that um, we noticed that that sentence had come off of their website last week. And so kind of, hmm, well, maybe uh, something's happening there. Well, sure enough, uh, USA Hockey announced on July 15th that they will not stage the 2020 World Junior Summer Showcase at all, period, end of story. There will not be a summer evaluation camp. 
um, for USA Hockey in preparation for the World Juniors, which does take place starting Boxing Day uh, in Edmonton and Red Deer, Alberta this year. Um, now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to... Basically, USA Hockey has had has said, uh, John Van Buesbrook said, you know, we're very disappointed to not be able to put the tournament on, uh, but it just can't move forward at this time. Um, and we're looking at other ways uh, in the coming months to do our preliminary evaluations for the World Juniors. Keep in mind, part of the reasons that we checked last week at their at their website to see what the deal was is that two weeks ago it came out that there were a number of players in the US NTDP, which is the National Team Development Program, who tested positive for COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, so as soon as that happened, we kind of knew mm, something might happen with the summer showcase. And sure enough, now it now it's gone. Uh, you know, whether it's the COVID cases coupled with probably state and local regulations not allowing uh, perhaps public um, ticket holders to come in and so forth. Who knows? Um, but unfortunately, there was no contingency plan for USA Hockey. So um, it's going to be a little odd to not have the Summer Showcase this year. However, we have talked about the fact that Hockey Canada has been on the ball. Hockey Canada has ended up running a couple of virtual camps this year, and they had announced um, that they were also going to have, during the same period of time, they were going to have their World Junior Development Camp. Uh, it was going to be held virtually in Canada. So they were they were going to hold it, but not in person, because I think Hockey Canada had a maybe... I don't want to say that they had a better grasp of the, of the coronavirus situation, but perhaps, um, you know, perhaps USA Hockey just was trying to do the best they could ambitiously to do what they normally do. And, and Hockey Canada just opted for the let's let's just be safe and do this backup plan. So they are doing their uh, development camp for World Juniors completely virtu- on a completely virtual basis. It's all going to be online classes for all of the roster members to take. And so literally the same day that USA Hockey announces that they're canceling the summer showcase, I swear not even an hour later, Canada comes out, Hockey Canada comes out with an announcement that they've added five more guys to their summer development camp for World Juniors. Um, And so they announced that defenseman Lucas Cormier, as well as uh, Damon Hunt, Mason Millman, Owen Power, and Gage Goncaves all have been added to the roster for the National Junior Team Sport Check Summer Development Camp, uh, which will be held from July 27th to 31st, all on a virtual level online. So kudos to Canada for having this plan in place. They're able to expand their roster. USA Hockey's kind of left uh, wondering what they're going to do next uh, and having to come up with a different plan, uh, which is is sad to see. Um, but it's kind of how coronavirus has been treating just about everything this year. So... And we'll just add that uh, one of those new additions is a Flyers uh, draft pick. Uh, that's Mason, Mason Millman, Millman. Mm-hmm. fourth round pick in 2019. That's right. So uh, it's possible that Mason Millman might get a shot to play uh, for Canada in the World Juniors this year. We'll see as we get closer to that event uh, if he ends up making the roster. One thing before we get to our feel good finale, I just wanted to make a programming note for next week. Now, typically, you're used to the press zone, formerly known as from the press box, uh, coming to you every Tuesday. That will continue to be the case, of course. We're not going to completely change that on you. However, next Tuesday is a little different. Next Tuesday is kind of the official return of hockey. Uh, and All of the people who listen to this show, I'm going to bet, are going to be watching hockey next Tuesday because the Flyers kick things off uh, with their exhibition game at 4 o'clock in the afternoon next Tuesday, and then the Canadians take on the Leafs at 8 o'clock. So we know 
you're going to be watching hockey next week. So what we want to do is make sure we preview that return to play. So just for next week only, be on the lookout for this show to appear on Monday night uh, instead of Tuesday. And uh, we might have a couple of surprise guests on the show to help us get started and get ready and get pumped up for that return to play and, and get some inside views of, of what we can expect. Uh, that's uh, to be determined. So I'm not going to let too much of the cat out of that bag, but be sure you tune in Monday night for uh, our episode of the Press Zone previewing the official return of hockey. It's pretty exciting. Very exciting. It's very, and then it doesn't stop. No, I hope you all know. For, for a year. I hope you're all happy because all of us in the media will not get a freaking vacation. <laughs> and August is usually like hockey media takes off in August. That's that's your breathing room. After the summer showcase is over, then you get to breathe for, for three weeks. Um, so maybe, maybe next August. <laughs> maybe. Um all right. Well, on that note, we do want to give you a feel-good finale, of course. And Rick, I'm going to hand this week's feel-good finale right over to you because I know that this story is one that is near and dear to your heart. I've come to adore this story as well, but I know it's one you particularly love. Thomas Moore, Captain Thomas Moore. And we have I won't repeat his story. Um, we, we know that he's a World War II vet. Um, we know that um, he wanted to do something to help out during the pandemic. Um, and so he he um, set out to raise some money and he raised a lot of money. He raised an awful lot mm-hmm. of money uh, for uh, the British uh, healthcare uh, effort. Um, and um, during all of that, he turned uh, 100 years old. Um, so we talked about the the postmark that was developed for him um, in uh, by uh, in in the, the British mail system, um, but the the big honor the, the, the <laughs> large honor was uh, uh, receiving his knighthood. Uh, so he's now Captain Sir Thomas Moore, and uh, the little ceremony that they had was absolutely delightful um, out in the courtyard of Windsor Castle. Mm-hmm. And uh, Thomas was, was parked there in the grass uh, with, his, with his walker. The queen came out from uh, Windsor Castle um, in a green. I'm not going to. I'm not a fashion expert, so <laughs> I won't. But she was all in green. Looking lovely as always. Looked terrific. Uh, she came out. They had a, a chair set for her. She didn't, uh, she didn't go near it. Uh, but she was presented with her sword and the two approached each other and, um, and Captain Moore was, was knighted. And then they had a delightful, oh, about a five minute private conversation afterwards. Uh, the, the microphones caught some of it. Uh, one, one little gem was the queen said, uh, she thought that a hundred years old sounded like a nice number. (laughs) <laughs> so I don't know if that's what she's shooting for or not, but um, it, it was just a, a wonderful event. Um, and um, Captain Sir Thomas Moore um, just warms your heart with uh, what he did during the war, not only what he did during the war, but during his life. And then uh, during the pandemic, uh, he found a way uh, to give back to his country. The amazing thing is when 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 all of this was happening, when he was doing the fundraising and the amount of money that he had been able to raise through his tremendous walks through his garden every day and so forth, uh, he was interviewed and someone said, you know, well, what what if they knighted you? There's been a lot of people saying that the queen ought to offer you knighthood. And he very humbly said, well, that would certainly be very nice, but I don't. That's it's okay. I don't that's not it's not necessary. Well, he has it now. He has it now. And it was uh, the the photograph uh, from from the day was just darling and couldn't be happier for him. And it's uh, it's pretty amazing when uh, when the queen is holding a sword to knight someone, you are appropriately socially distanced. (laughs) Perfectly. Perfectly. So uh, it worked out pretty well. 
Well, that's your feel-good finale for this week. Congratulations to Captain Sir Thomas More. We'll continue to bring you some great stories to wrap up every week with. Don't forget next week, catch us on Monday for a very special episode previewing the return of hockey on Tuesday uh, as we're all going to gather around our television sets uh, and, and watch our teams come back to play. We appreciate that you've been here with us today. Of course, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the AHL Report and also at the Press Zone. Now, if you want to reach Rick or I uh, individually, you can find Rick at All Habs, A L L H A B S, and you can find me at Flyers Rule on Twitter. So, lots of ways to get in touch with us. We love to hear from our listeners. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you have feedback, if you have ideas, if you have something you want to hear us talk about, uh, shoot us a tweet at at one of those accounts, and we will be sure to get back to you. We love to hear from our listeners um, all the time. The one thing we need you to be sure to do, though. We need to be sure, of course, now that we have this new name, the Press Zone, uh, we have to be sure that everyone has has found us, is subscribed. Uh, Whatever method you're using to listen to this podcast right now, make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode, whether it's iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Overcast, you name it. or if you're if you're perhaps just listening, if you're if you're on our website and you're just listening in the player uh, in in the post on the website, there is a little button on the player that you're listening to right now that says subscribe. So just click that subscribe button and and you'll be able to be subscribed. But aside from that, Rick, what is the best way for people to go and find this podcast and and our other podcast, Canadians Connection, here at Rocket Sports Radio? What how do you how does What's the best way to go about doing that and subscribing? Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you want to uh, know um, how to get to ahlreport.com. That's where you can find this podcast, as well as uh, all of the the articles and and uh, and other other written material that uh, we put out. Um, if you're looking just for podcasts, we have uh, a website for you. It's called rocketsportsradio.com. It's a complete archive of uh, the Press Zone from the Press Box, as well as the Canadians Connection, our, our Montreal Canadiens Focus podcast. So uh, all of those different ways, as well as as was mentioned earlier, um, take a look at your your um, uh, favorite podcast host and uh, your favorite podcast app. Look for the Press Zone, look for the Canadians Connection and subscribe. Absolutely. Uh, And we should mention too, uh, particularly if you're searching for us on uh, an Apple platform, Apple podcast or iTunes, search for the press zone for hockey prospects. That's probably going to be a faster way to find us uh, in amongst all of that other stuff. That's out there on iTunes, the press zone for hockey prospects. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Uh, We got through a heat wave here in Pennsylvania. Hopefully it's going to cool off, but enjoy the rest of your week. We are gearing up, folks. We are just one week away from hockey being back, and uh, we're very excited. So be sure you tune in with us next Monday for a special one week only. We have a special day. Uh, coming to you on Monday. Uh, be sure you stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, socially distance yourself, and just have fun and enjoy life each and every day. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you again next week. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit ahlreport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects. Hockey prospects.